It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Quickly to Wall. Wall measures. Deal. Gets open for three. Dagger! Here comes Pierce with five seconds left. Pierce with three. Pierce with two. Pierce fall away at the horn. It's Porter can't find anybody. Gives it to Wall. Porter gets Bradley for three. What's going on, Wizards fans? This is your host Noah Getzel, and I'm hosting the first ever Locked On Wizards. A podcast hosted by Wizards Extra, so uh, it's exciting opportunity to have the chance to do this. We're taking over for Ben Standig, and alongside me tonight, who's going to be with me a ton, is Mr. Arthur Renault, and you can find him on Twitter at District Mamba. Is that right, Arthur? That is. It's been my handle since I got onto Twitter in 2011. What did Kobe have that nickname at the time? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I honestly don't know the origin. It went from Hibachi for three to Mr. Aardvark. <laughs> Mr. Aardvark. Somehow ended up on District Mamba. But oh, yeah, I, I like know. it. Well, you can follow Locked On Wizards um, on Twitter at Locked On Wizards. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Or you can also just, you know, uh, find the, the link on Twitter that we'll post after each podcast to. Take a look, and then Noah Getzel, you can follow me at, uh, at Noah underscore N-O-A-H. I'm sorry, <laughs> Noah <laughs> underscore Getzel, G-O-E-T-Z-E-L, is my Twitter handle, so feel free to follow us there and keep uh, keeping up with all of our, our podcasts. We're going to be doing this five days a week, and are you excited for this opportunity, Arthur? Definitely am. Extremely grateful for Ben Standig to have considered the Wizards extra team and yourself to headline this uh, takeover, mainly because uh, I've followed the Locked On Wizards podcast from, I think it's Origins from last year, and Ben was extremely interactive with fans, and we're hoping to do the same, so definitely yeah. interact with us. Yeah, it was close to 400 podcasts, I think, um, over the course of the last season through, you know, a little more than midway through this one. And he interviewed some huge guests like Kevin Pelton, Michael Lee, um, Brian Winhorst. I'm sure I'm missing tons of people, but hopefully we can so get some awesome people. guests up on there this this uh, this season too with the Wizards Extra team. Um, a little bit about me. Uh, my name's Noah, and I am 26 years old. I work at the Food and Drug Administration doing communications and outreach type stuff about um, engaging with patients, and then I also teach group exercise classes. I've been a Wizards fan my entire life. I'm from Bethesda, Maryland, and 
This is, I think, my fourth season with Wizards Extra covering the team. Second season as the beat reporter going to all of the home games, or a lot of them. <laughs> Tell us a little bit yeah. about you, Arthur. I know you've been with the Wizards Extra team since I started. Yeah, yeah. So, um, as mentioned, I'm Arthur. I am also 26 years old. Uh, didn't know that about you, but it looks like we're the same age. Um, I am a teacher in Fairfax County. I am an art teacher. And, yeah, I just recently graduated with my master's and finally got a full-time gig. And Wizards Extra started when I emailed its creator, uh, Adam Bradley. Oof, I don't even know how long ago, but it was when I was first starting to get into Twitter. And, you know, being a teacher, you can't really express yourself uh, in creative ways during the day, if that makes any sense. So Twitter is a perfect outlet to really express one's feelings without having to keep it PG or G for that matter, in my case. Um, but yeah, so really excited. I have had the chance to cover game, a few games here and there, um, but because of my schedule, it's very difficult to attend on the mm-hmm. normal basis. But that's definitely an experience. So um, I know you and Bryna, who's also on the Wizards Extra team, you guys are in there probably for like 90% of the game. So definitely look out for some behind-the-scenes content as well. Mm-hmm. And I'd say we should keep it, I don't know, what do you think, PG-13 on this podcast? Does that sound oh, fair? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'll, I'll keep the, the the foul language for Twitter that way. Well, no, it's easier after victories to, to keep your, you know, <laughs> your oh, language yeah, clean. Yeah. So it was big Very victory true. tonight um, against the Orlando Magic. The Wizards moved to 3-0 and against the Magic so far this season. They'll have one more against the the division foe. And so, big win. Um, the Wizards really took over in the second half. Uh, they went up, I think it was like a seven-point game, nine-point game. Yeah, nine-point game at the half. And then they went up by 12 and then just kind of kept pushing, kept moving the ball incredibly well. The Wizards ended up with 35 assists on their 46 field goals. And so, the past five games, uh, they've been 4-1, and one, more than 25 assists each of those games. And the Wizards are on a four-game winning streak without John Wall, and that ties their longest of the season. Are you impressed at all that this trap game didn't slip up the the new look Wizards? I will say this: just to, I, I usually hate when people do this, but um, kind of to put some perspective on the Wizards' win, the Magic were without probably you know three of their big guns in Aaron Gordon. Nikola Vucevic and Terrence Ross. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to say that before I, you know, jump on this bandwagon of the Wizards are a better team without Wall. But um, you know, just putting a little context behind it. But all that aside, not taking anything away from what the Wizards have done since Wall um, has sat out. You know, the assist numbers, Sadoransky's play has gone up. Porter and Morris look like they've gotten. Their, their rhythm back, you know, Beal saying everybody eats and kind of, you know, he's only, he only scored 18 points tonight. And before this winning streak, if he would have said Beal's going to score 18 points and the Wizards are going to win without Wall, I, I don't know if anybody would have thought that that meant victories. But For sure. here we are. Look at the starting lineup, though. It's, it's like everything you could have asked for and more. Uh, Beal was, you know, knocking on the door of a triple-double. He had uh, 18 points, 8 rebounds. 
eight assists along with two steals and a block. And then Gortat posted a double-double like he's been doing the past few years, aside from being grumpy about it nonstop. He had 10 points and 11 boards and two blocks. Um, And then Otto Porter led the Wizards with 20. He shot surprisingly the worst of all the starters. He was 7 of 15, so still, you know, solid shooting numbers, 3 of 8 from downtown. And then he had uh, five assists and four rebounds too. Thomas Sadoransky, we'll talk about him in a sec. He had a career-high 19 points along with six assists and two steals. Great defense from him all night against, you know, Payton. Alfred Payton isn't an all-star or elite by any means, but I'm pretty sure I saw that he's been averaging like 30 points against the Wizards this season with John Wall guarding him. So it's impressive that, you know, tonight he only had, let's see, uh, he had 14 points, so nothing nothing too spectacular there. And then last but not least, Markeith Morris, who we never know if he's injured or healthy, and he never shares because he's too much of a tough guy. But he had a big game tonight. <laughs> he's been playing solid. Um, 16 points, 3 assists, 3 rebounds, 3 steals, and 7 of 10 shooting. Uh, Tomas Sadoransky was 5 of 9. So... The bench, we really didn't get too much from, uh, even though they played like all of the fourth quarter. Uh, what do you think about the scoring balance tonight as opposed to against the Raptors, what was it, Thursday night when the bench had 44 points? Uh, I would say that, you know, the the scoring to me is it's so spread out that it's difficult to say, you know, that this is the reason that this is happening, mainly because... I'm just looking at the stats now, and Gortat was a had ten points on seven shots, and he only missed twice. And it really didn't feel like he took, you know, seven shots because there was a run where he scored six straight points. Mm-hmm. And a part of me was like, oh, he must be up to you know fifteen, you know, twenty points. But it, it's very surprising, and you can just tell that everybody's kind of in in a rhythm that they haven't been at this whole year. And as a whole, which Bradley Beal kind of mentioned tonight uh, clarifying his everybody eats comment that that they're learning to play that they've finally learned how to play without wall which has been a huge huge uh issue in years past whenever wall goes to the bench the wizards seem to implode and you know they can never replace his production but it looks like now they can they can have you know porter go seven for 15 uh, Morris go seven for ten, Gore top five for seven. So it's all they're all quality looks. And during the game, I noticed a lot of they've passed up decent shots for great shots. Mm-hmm. And good to great. That's something that's what Scott Brooks wants. Right. That's something that hadn't been seen before. It was normally you know Wall dribbling out the shot clock, pulling up for a mid range mid range jumper, and Beal doing the same thing. But now it's Beal's kind of isolated and you know he'll hand the ball off get it back and if you know Gortat or Mahimi roll to the rim and somebody commits and Sederanski is open in the baseline or Kelly Oubre is open that ball moves around so it's very impressive what they're doing Uh, I'm kind of speechless let's talk a little bit more in a second about you know the difference between this team with with and without John Wall and some of the criticism that Bradley Beal faced for his comments, some of the criticism that the team had faced previously all season, and, you know, just what the difference is and whether this will be sustainable when Wall returns. So we're going to touch on that in in greater depth in just a sec, but first, uh, here's a quick ad. 
The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Wizards Extra Podcast. Uh, Once again, I'm your host, Noah Getzel, joined by co-host Arthur Renault. And so the Wizards are on a four-game winning streak without John Wall. Tomas Sadoransky has been playing incredible. And there's a lot of talk about the Wizards being better without John Wall, uh, even though it's only been four games. So first things first, is this true whatsoever from the small sample size you've seen, Arthur? Are the Wizards a better team just because they've been winning these past few games? Two of them against awful opponents, the Magic and the Hawks, but the Wizards are constantly losing to terrible opponents. So (laughs) you got to take that with a grain of salt. Right. Yes. Um, So you brought up a good point there at the end. The quality of opponent has a lot to do with it. And also, it's kind of a media, not us, not local media, but like national media to kind of put the spotlight on the, oh, do Wong Beal get along storyline, which has been discredited multiple times. However, that's what gets their attention. So I think that the Wizards are a better team with Wall hobbled, injured, you know, obviously playing with a bad knee. Um, that's not really, that shouldn't really be mind blowing to anyone because anybody that is half of who they really are is easily, you know, replaceable by somebody that can simply move around and actually pay, play some defense. That's a um, really good point. You know, people don't think about that when they're saying, oh, the Wall- Wizards were terrible with Wall. Like, they're so much better with Sadoransky starting. Like, people don't right. realize how tough this guy is and that he's not going to be taken out of the game unless he has broken bones or, like, literally can't walk. So he's going right. to fight through any injury. And a lot of people don't recognize that. They just think he's slow, he's sluggish, he's holding the ball. Right, and I'll be, you know, one of the first people to admit that I thought it was difficult to tell because when a, when a player like Wall never wants to sit out because he wants to play all 82 games and he, you know, he's very, you know, he's full of pride. It's difficult to tell if this is who he is or if he's injured. And it was almost for me, at least like a sigh of relief once it came out that he was indeed dealing with an injury because that's naturally like awesome. Like that's why he's been playing at such a terrible pace. Cause I mean, some of the games were just so, depressing to watch him and if it wasn't for injury then the Wizards would really be in trouble because you just gave him a super max deal and all of a sudden he's plummeted to a below average point guard but thankfully hopefully we have the injury to discredit all that Um, but I also think aside from you know Wall being injured which is the number one thing the Wizards are a better team without an injured Wall um, but it's also, there seems to be more effort. And I don't know if there's a way of measuring effort, but, but one of the things that I normally look at are rebounds. So if we just look at Bradley Beal's rebounding numbers um, after Wall was uh, shut down, he's had at least five rebounds in five straight games after mm-hmm. only doing that, you know, twice in the last seven games before that. Yeah. So that he's, he's just averaging. Shows- Four game, four rebounds a season. I'm sorry, four rebounds a game this season too. 
Right. Yes, that too. So that is also, for me, an indicator, like, they're playing desperate. And that's what we've kind of wanted all year, especially with all those losses to the below 500 teams. Um, But also, it can also be, we've mentioned this earlier, but Otto Porter might be regaining his health, even Mm -hmm. though every time he falls, it looks like it might be the last time. (laughs) I don't know, like, if you've noticed, like, he's always cringing when he, or he lays down for an extra second. Absolutely. You've got to come to the locker room. Like, he can't even, it looks like he's hobbling, just walking to and from the shower. Like, every step is like he's dragging that leg. He's, He's really facing some bad hip injuries, and... I asked him a couple of games ago, I'm like, how close to 100% is your hip? He said, it's nowhere close, but he's got to fight through it. And I don't know why the Wizards, I mean, Wizards have basically one small forward on the roster, which is a pretty big deal, unless you want to stretch um, Sadoransky to small forward, which obviously he's proven he's he's a point guard, that's his natural position. It's just tough, because if they sit Porter down, like, who do you have guarding small forwards, Right. right? Yeah, that that's that's a mess, and that's also, you know, and something that should be addressed, I believe, in the trade trade deadline. Because mm-hmm. I mean, if Porter goes down, then naturally Kelly Oubre is his replacement. But then who replaces Kelly Oubre? Right. Um, and as Drew Gooden m- mentioned in the broadcast, you know, earlier this year, there the Wizards were trying to figure out what is Thomas Sadoransky? Is he a backup point guard? A backup two? Is he a small forward? And I think they finally realized Sadoransky is the backup point guard. Mm-hmm. So moving him to a small forward would be counterproductive to what he has accomplished and what he's grown into with Wall out. So tonight he had his career high, 19 points. Uh, he also chipped in six assists and two steals. And I've been very impressed with his defense uh, and just aggressiveness because you often see that when John Wall is in the game, the team kind of feeds off his energy and just operates on his level. So if he's playing sluggish and kind of like lagging on defense, everybody is just, you know, trying to, they're probably trying to shift over and, and fill in for him and pick up the slack. But when he's totally gunning and aggressive and facilitating the offense, getting steals, getting blocks and bringing in the, the fast break, the Wizards look as good as ever. Ever It seems like that hasn't really lasted too long uh, throughout 48-minute stretches throughout the game. Um, so I think this is a tremendous growth opportunity for Thomas Sadoransky, and he's totally taking advantage of it. Remember when John Wall came out earlier with the PRP injections, uh, I don't remember, like a, a couple months ago early in the season, right. it wasn't Sadoransky, it was Tim Frazier who was starting in his place, and the Wizards didn't do too much. I think they were like 5-6 and six or something in those games when, uh, when Wall was out, but... How much has Sadoransky grown? And we'll talk about it after in a little bit, but is he someone the Wizards need to keep or is he someone who has like high market value right now and needs to be traded? Just what how how has he grown so much this year, basically? Right. Yeah. Um I I think you mentioned it. You you nailed it with when Wall went down the first time, it was still the Tim Frazier experiment. And I think we noticed quickly Frazier is great at pushing pace, is great at passing the ball, but he's definitely a liability on the defensive end and also in a way offensively because he, it almost was too much effort for him to put up a shot, whether it was a three-pointer that he's not really known for or just a very contested, you know, in-the-paint jumper 
I think I would rather have Sadoransky and his issues, whatever they were pre this run, um, to just grow and learn to play. Because, I mean, as we saw tonight, Sadoransky nailed two back-to-back corner threes in a row. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, that wouldn't have happened had Frazier been the guy to replace him. Um, I also, you know, in terms of his defense, his he's averaging two steals a game. And, you know, obviously he had his highlight with blocking Russell Westbrook uh, a couple nights ago. But whatever deficiency that Sir Sadoransky had before, he sort of adapted and kind of figured out, like, hey, I'm a pretty lengthy point guard compared to, you know, the rest of the NBA. So what I don't have in quickness with speed I, or with my feet, I have with my length. So if he gets beat, he doesn't give up because he knows that his length, his arms will, like, help him, you know, get back on defense. So Absolutely. it's definitely a, a, a treat. It, like, I... I don't know because I'm not used to seeing a draft pick work out, so I don't know how to process. <laughs> Come on, this Kelly Oubre, Bradley Beal, John Wall, right. Otto it's Porter. Too, like it's too well outside of like the lottery, you know, with yeah. Kelly Oubre and Sidoransky being those two. Like I'm not used to seeing production outside of who has to produce, which at one point was Wall, Beal, and Porter. So it, it's unbelievable to me, and to think that we could have had. Obviously, hindsight, but to, that we could have had another first-round pick going into its second year this year. Like that could have been a, another wing. That could have been a backup two guard. So who knows what this team would have been like? But obviously, that's hindsight. We're not going to do that. But yeah, definitely exciting to see Sadoransky like come to form. Mm-hmm. Seems like all the the criticisms about his game, you know, not having court awareness, not being athletic enough to keep up with point guards in the league. Um, and not being able to shoot, he's kind of recently been able to address all of those. You see his alley-oop finishes, you see his blocks from behind, and you see that he's he's hitting shots way more consistently. And his court vision has always been there. I think, like, as a rookie in your first or second year, you don't get too many minutes. Of course, your awareness isn't going to be great, and you need to kind of develop your feel for the NBA game compared to the European League. But he's, yeah, I, I really hope that the Wizards do keep him, depending on the scenario and that's a perfect segue we're going to take one more quick break and then talk about different trade options uh coming up with the february 8th trade deadline uh was that five days away now so yeah uh tune stay tuned we'll be right back the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're an NBA fan, you've got to follow the Locked On Celtics podcast. John Corrales, who works with Boston.com and RedArmy.com, has been doing an incredible job. I'm going to play a clip for you right now uh, from his interview with Coach Brad Stevens of the Celtics, and you should definitely check out Locked On Celtics. You can follow them on Twitter at Rainin Jays. That's Rainin R A N I N underscore J S. So give Locked On uh, Celtics a follow and let me know what you think. 
I don't remember when I first read the book, but it was early on in my head coaching tenure at Butler. And um, it was, you know, I thought it was really good for being able to focus on what you can control. You know, sometimes in the, in the midst of this chaos where you play really well and you lose and everybody just sees it as a loss, yeah. Um, or you play really poorly and you win, and everybody just sees it as a win. I think being able to objectively step back and say, how are we playing? What do we need to improve on? It's really important. And I think that being able to focus on more than the result, to me, is probably the greatest thing that I've taken from it. We're back with the Locked On Wizards podcast. Uh, Noah Getzel and Arthur Renault here this evening on a Saturday night after the Wizards beat the Magic. And we're going to talk about the Wizards' trade options here with a trade deadline coming just five days away. Do the Wizards need to make a move? They're on a four-game winning streak. Do they have enough talent currently on the roster? Uh, Marcin Gortat talked about how he wants to retire an Orlando Magic player. The Wizards just played the Magic tonight, so we got a chance to evaluate some of the, the guys on their squad in case the Wizards are looking to send him there. And... Gortat said recently, he kind of tried to clarify those those comments. Uh, he said he wants to retire with the Magic. And then they asked him after the game, hey, like, do you want to be traded? Are you happy as a wizard? And he's been pretty, like, hit and miss in terms of whether he's happy here. I think he kind of thinks all the, a lot of the players are babies. He's criticizing. He's on Twitter all the time, but wasn't he one of the ones who was uh, criticizing his teammates for, like, going on Twitter and looking at what people are saying about them? Oh, never mind. That was Paul Pierce, right? He was talking about how all of the Wizards yeah. are, are yeah, on Twitter yeah. in the locker room. Anyway, do you think uh, you have hated on Marching Gortat for a long time? Is he a good player to move before the deadline? Is there anyone who wants this guy? What should the Wizards um, do? So, before this injury, I would have said, you know, trade anybody except Wall. And Beal, because, I mean, there was a time where everybody hated Porter all of a sudden. Um, but after this run, if it's not a move, like, it's going to be very difficult to complete a trade without moving Kelly Oubre or Sadoransky or, or a first-round first pick. pick. Yep. Which, at this point, in terms of the their cap room situation, which I don't really want to get into because that's way too much math, but... <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't mind them staying pat and maybe working out the, the buyout market. You know, if any two guard or combo guard or wing or maybe uh, look through the G League to maybe booster that position. But honestly, like you shouldn't disrupt what the Wizards are building, regardless if, you know, once Wall comes back, everything kind of shifts back to different positions. Because at this point, you have... Sadoransky and Ubre on cheap contracts for the next year. Uh, so for the rest of this year and next year. Mm-hmm. So unless you're bringing in, I don't know, a, a superstar player, which at that point you'd probably have to add Gortat to that list uh, in a trade and the first round pick, then I would say stand pat, but keep an eye out on buyout and G League options for you know some help at the two guard because I don't know what this Jody Meeks experiment is going on is going with. Cause like he just asked for a trade basically. Yeah. So uh, I, I mean, can we trade him for anything? I don't, who wants don't him? Know. That's the question. You know, a guy right. who's been battered with injuries, who 
is supposedly one of the the best shooters at the shooting guard position who hasn't been able to really buy a bucket for the wizards it's it's a tough situation because the wizards obviously want to improve but they don't want to trade their young talents they don't want to shake things up too much by getting rid of you know porter or beal or wall or anything like that so you know you can tell that meeks is pressing especially tonight there was a like a four there were four plays in a row where meeks he got fouled on a jump shot, which was a good play. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what he's known for, a pump fake and then a quick shot to get a foul. And then there were three straight three-pointers that he just caught and shot. Like, it, it, it was the most, I don't know, like, I've never seen anything like that. And it seems like he's also pressing, whether to show off his skill set or to s- send a message that he just doesn't want to be here. Because that, that, they seemed like very selfish three-pointers, very quick early in the shot clock. But, I mean, if they go in, it's a different story. But it's still, it's disrupting the flow. And right now, the flow is everybody eats. And right now, Meeks kind of wants to be a little selfish at that at the moment. He's like that buddy who, like, you go to a restaurant and he orders, like, a cup of tea or something and then starts eating off everyone else's plate. <laughs> right, exactly. So we'll see what happens there. But I would like the Wizards to stand packed and just keep an eye out on the buy, uh, buyout market and the g league and i think um you know if you're a rotation guy who gets a lot of do not play coach's decision type of deals and is barely playing any minutes you have to prove yourself when you're on the court like it's kind of just sink or swim time so i don't blame him at all for launching threes he's he was hot last game against the raptors dropped 10 points and in like four minutes in the fourth quarter so makes sense to test his hot hand again and he's got a He's got to do something, and it's just sink or swim time for him, so I can't blame him for, for those shots. I can't remember what the score was at the time, because uh, I know in the second quarter it was really close, and then there was a bigger gap in the third and fourth. I think that was in the second quarter, by the way. But uh, there was one trade proposed by um, you know local T- uh, DC guy David Aldridge on NBA.com, and he was saying Wizards might potentially try and get another big man possibly and they suggested he suggested uh Nick's forward center Willie Hernan Gomez for a Wizards second round pick and Chris McCullough who barely plays any minutes he got some garbage time tonight had a sensational block he's really an athletic high flyer but the block you know came right. after a foul so it didn't even count but he he's shown yeah. some flashes I don't know what happens in practice he doesn't get any minutes uh there are a lot of forwards you know power forwards and centers on the team so he's kind of in there pretty deep would a forward center be a good move for the wizards or what kind of position are you looking for you mentioned a backup shooting guard would be yeah, a, a, I mean, a key addition right and i'm i'm taking a look at this as like a playoff rotation cuz we all know you know once the playoffs start it's a very short rotation you're not going to play the 10th 11th player on your roster um, but right now as they stand you know Wall and Sadoransky have that point guard position locked down. Um, Porter and Kelly Oubre have the small forward position locked down. And, you know, depending on lineup, uh, the stretch four, um, the four position Morris and Scott have locked down, and the five position where Tott and Mahimi have that locked down. So, no, like, the only. Come on, in the playoffs, it's not really going to be that center rotation, do you think? Uh, well, no, I would hope it's a lot more of Morris and Scott at the five. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, yeah, yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. I'm just saying, like, right now to, like, fill out the season. Right. Um, hopefully not see him in the playoffs. But, yeah, it, it's just, you know, then it becomes, like, there's so much money sitting on that bench. You know, with Smith and Mahimi, there's probably, like, $30 million just sitting that's, on the bench during the playoffs. It's not something like, for the coach to think about, though, when he's trying to win playoff games. I don't know, right, I don't know just, like, what what type of interaction him and Ernie Grunfeld have in terms of, like, hey, we've got $28 million on our bench right now. Can we get them some more minutes? Even God, though they're both, yeah, what, 32 and over, something like that? You're going to be playing Old Scott, Jesus. who will probably demand a lot more in free agency this year. But anyways, you know, yeah, it's definitely true. It comes down to winning games. But the Wizards have options. You know, if they go super small, they have Morris and Scott. They can play at the five. Porter and Porter can play the stretch four or, you know, Morris or Scott. Ubre could be the third spot. So it can be an additional wing, you know, maybe like just like a raw, talented, defensive hunger, not Chris Singleton, small forward uh, would be a nice pickup. And then, you know, obviously uh, just an, a backup for Beal because that, that position is very, very narrow. And I'm also curious uh, as a, like a last thing as to if we're going to see any Wall and Sadoransky uh, lineups because I mean we saw those a lot um, earlier in the year so I'm curious to see now that Sadoransky's kind of developing you know a confident jump jump shot if mm-hmm. maybe he'll be the backup two once Wall comes back so lots of questions you yeah know, we, we definitely saw that answer. we saw Wall, Beal, and Sadoransky and I thought the lineup looked pretty good I thought it worked well it, um, you know when because Porter is typically playing with the second unit so they need someone to to fill the void there. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure. I think shooting guard is definitely a, a need for the Wizards. Another wing would be good, too. I think in the in the big man positions, they've got probably got that set in terms of the flexibility of Porter's ability to play power forward and Markeith and Scott both being stretch fives, I guess. So right. I think, yeah, I think, you know, one through, not one through three, just shooting guard and uh, small forward are the posi- positions that I would like to see the Wizards explore in the trade deadline. I don't have any names in mind for people to pursue, though. I would love to get Dario Saric for, from the the Sixers. Um, I don't know if he's on the trade market whatsoever, but just his flexibility and his passing would, would definitely help. Um, I, I just don't really think the Wizards have the the players to make that deal work. I don't know if packaging someone like Chris McCullough and... A second rounder that's definitely not going to be enough it would have to be there's when when you get back into touching the three guys who you don't want to touch the Ubre, Sadoransky and uh first round pick so I mean we'll keep talking about this trade deadline every day until the Wizards make a move or we'll criticize them afterwards if they don't so we're going to get a lot more of this topic but can we the last thing we want to mention is just this this whole John Wall criticism, it's can you, we agree that it's unjustified and it's just media fodder? Because Wall is going to fit in fine when he comes back. He's going to be playing like 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes for the first couple weeks uh, until the playoffs start. I'm sure he'll be a starter back in the playoffs. But he does he seem like a selfish player to you? Or does he seem like a guy who just wants to get his teammates involved, averaging nine assists this year and win games? I think based on just eye tests. I mean, you know, I'm sure analytics can tell you a lot, but 
just on just off of eye test, I I think Wall was of the mindset, and honestly, I don't blame him that he needs to carry the team, and I think it's evident with how many you know selfish selfish possessions there were uh, during this span this year where it seemed like he just wanted to take a jump shot where he just wanted to work on, you know, to, to show what he worked on during the off season. And I think that's where he started pressing a little too much. And then whenever the injury flared up, he just pushed it even more. And, you know, I don't know if all star voting had anything to do with it, but when that came in question, you know, you had the all-star votes return and people like Isaiah Thomas had, who hadn't played a single game were in front of Wall and all-star voting. So there's a lot, I think, that went into it. And I'm pretty curious to see what Wall will be like once he comes back because I think, hopefully, while he's sitting back and watching these games, he doesn't need to be Superman every time he's out there. He doesn't need to save the world. He just needs to play his game, which is push the tempo, find his teammates, attack the basket. And then, you know, when it naturally happens, like when he's open on the baseline for a three-pointer or when the ball is chucked out to him, then use what you worked on during the offseason, not necessarily use that as your first option. Because I I think we can all agree that we'd rather Beal take 10 three-pointers than Wall take 10 Mm three-pointers. So it's just a matter of adapting and learning that this team is ready and they just need Wall to kind of go back to his real like all-star form which is you know the playoffs like 32 points 15 assists like that's what we need we need all those assists we need that ball movement i'd be totally cool with 15 points and 10 assists exactly and i mean you know it comes down to whenever a a superstar a super team is formed you know who's whose stats are going to suffer so mm-hmm. it's going to come down to us, you know, like the Wizards accepting the fact that they might not have, you know, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry on the same team, but they have players that can play. So it's going to come down to what matters more, like actually winning games or you getting, you know, 15 assists and 30 points, mm-hmm. you know, the national spotlight or winning games. What matters more? Absolutely. I think that's a good note to end on. And you're totally right that when when John Wall re-enters this game, or when he re-enters for the team, the Wizards have been doing two things incredibly well. They've been playing stellar defense, and they've been sharing the ball. And as long as John Wall can do that, the Wizards are going to be just fine. So thanks again for joining us on our first Locked On Wizards podcast. Once again, I'm Noah Getzel, and I was joined by our co-host Arthur Renault, who's going to be with us a ton um, for the rest of the season. And that's, that's all we got. Uh, so, anything else to add? Nope. Uh, you know, I'm hoping everything continues to go smoothly. I think, you know, a quick outlook going to Indiana Monday night and then Philadelphia the next night. That's going to be a really good test for this team. So, we'll see. We're going to find out a lot this upcoming week. Plus a rematch with a first place in the Eastern Conference, Boston Celtics, who was in Boston on Christmas Eve. Sorry, Christmas Day. Yep. All right. Well, that'll do it for us. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you soon. And I'm asking y'all, which part?
Are y'all playing basketball? Get me on the court and I'm troubled. Last week, fucked around and got a triple double. Freaking niggas every way like MJ. I can't believe today was a good day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.